This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And Shane, let me tell you, it Saturday's game against North Dakota State. I know it was North Dakota State, but as we talked about last week, intelligent fans understand what that meant. It felt like a, a giant being lifted off of my shoulders as a fan. And I know that's a very strange reaction, but did you feel similarly watching that game like, Finally, Arizona is getting over the hump. Uh, two wins in one season. We are a spoiled group, Eric Cohen. Two wins. When's the last time that's happened in the same season? Uh, but yeah, I, I think so. I think you know, winning a meaningful game, you know, FCS opponent or not. I know we've talked about that ad nauseum. North Dakota State's a legitimately good team. And Jeff Fish talked after the game that they were a tough team to defend, not only because they're a talented, experienced group, but because this is the o- this is the only kind of team like that Arizona's going to play all year. Yeah, they run the they they run the ball and 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 they basically they focus on the run as much as they do, kind of like some other teams run the triple option. So it was a challenge in that way. But yeah, no, it was great to see them not only win a game but but come through in the clutch. You know, the the comeback. I, I thought you know, and I I tweeted at you toward the end of the game. I thought they're going to lose by about the same margin I predicted, which was uh, about ten points. I thought it was going to be like 35-24, North Dakota State. They were going to run out the clock, and then their defense. Uh, challenging to watch their defense Arizona's defense through the night but they made some big stops and big plays and uh I got to tell you it's refreshing and we'll talk more about every aspect of this game a little bit but it was refreshing to see a team it's refreshing to see a team that can score in the red zone yeah you know, after so many yeah. problems with that uh, over the last few years uh Arizona's like 10 for 11 in the red zone and the one time they didn't score I think was like a, f- a fourth down situation where they had to go for it so they uh, and a couple of them have been field goals, but mostly touchdowns. And that that problem is is gone. Uh, so a long way to go. Uh, interesting to hear your perspective on the fans there, because it looked like there was a lot of yellow in the stands. Dorian Singer said after the game, he thought it was about 50 50. But what was your perspective? No, it wasn't 50 50. The west side of the stadium was filled with North Dakota State fans, which is where my seats usually are. I decided um, I was given some tickets in the end zone and then I took liberty to in the second half. Uh, move up higher in the end zone. So you get a better view of the entire field. Sure. Um, I, so that's where I was sitting, uh, the end zone where they scored the winning touchdown towards the end of the game, the uh, uh, north end zone. Uh, you know, for me, it was about 25% North Dakota State fans, maybe maybe 30%, but they were very loud. Yeah. You don't see that much yellow in the stands when no. ASU comes to town. I, I cannot remember offhand, Shane, more fans from an opposing team in attendance at a game. And they're very nice people. The people that I spoke to on campus and, and at the game, very, very nice people. I didn't have an issue with one of them. Uh, it was, they were, they were very nice. Just, they were loud. I mean, yeah. we're not used to that. We're not used to our fans being loud unless it's a, you know, late game situation. And by the way, I thought they were great at the end of the game. I thought Arizona's fans on fourth down when our buddy Jeff Dean was asking him, you know, he did fourth down. I, mm-hmm. I thought they were great. Uh, this was a, a very fun game to attend. With that said, there wasn't at one point in the game, not any point in the game until the end that I think Arizona was going to win. 
Even a half I, to, yeah, because we, we were texting at halftime. It's yeah. like, yeah, they're ahead, but the way this game's going, you know, the way that North Dakota State's been able to push Arizona around on, on, on the line of scrimmage, it didn't feel like it was gonna it was gonna be a win. No, and I think I'm going to probably get some some crap for that for saying that. You know, just like I said about Jaden Delora last I week. I bet most was, fans feel the same way. They're being. I, nice. I just there there wasn't when they scored the touchdown with Cowing, which is a great play, and they got the lead. I'm like, well, here comes North Dakota State. They're going to go down and score. I don't know what their coach was doing punting. I, I don't know. Matt Ents coached a terrible game. I don't know what he was thinking by punting on fourth. That that was brutal. I mean, even I in the stands could figure out this isn't a very smart move. Well, and before that, the possession before where they could have kicked a field goal, and Jed Fish said he thought they were going to kick a field goal to go up seven. I actually didn't. I thought they were going to go for it, which they did. And there wasn't anything elaborate about that fourth down call, Eric. It was a quarterback a quarterback run. And basically, at that point of the game, it was like fourth and two. North Dakota State, they're thinking, look, we can, we've been pushing these guys around all game. There's no reason we can't just go and grind out two yards, even though they know what's coming. And Jerry Roberts, who's been the defensive MVP to this Fantastic. point, stood, stood up uh, Cam Miller got just a yard and they went down and they still had to go down and score. And that's one thing that Arizona's offense did this time. They didn't the previous week was every time Arizona's defense got a stop. They got the, the strip sack by Hunter Eccles uh, deep in Arizona territory and both, both the uh, fourth down stops. Every time they got the ball after that, they scored a touchdown. And that was the difference between this week or this past weekend's game and the one before that. Well, this was a game Shane that, that I think going back to an Arizona lore, like when is the last time, we would have that Arizona would have won a game like this. Yeah. I mean, realistically, it's years. Maybe that 2014 team is like the last time that I was like, all right, this team is gonna fight till the end of the game, like that 2014 team yeah. did. Usually that kind of that kind of thing is reserved for men's basketball. You know, they're behind yeah. by a few points late in the game. You think we got this, we're at home, we got yeah. our home fans, we're gonna find a way to win. Usually I, I talked about it. It's like the opposite at Arizona Stadium. Like, how are we gonna find a way to blow this? So it was refreshing in a game where we, we both thought, let's be honest, they're probably going to lose, especially when they fell behind in the fourth quarter. They were able to pull it out. And and this team showed a lot of maturity. I and mean, we're gonna get into a lot of this a lot more of this here soon, but you know, Jaden Delora, light years better than he was the previous week. This team is learning from its mistakes quickly, and I think that's a positive sign. One quick thing I'll mention as far as opposing fans in the stadium. I remember Iowa in 2010, the entire, almost the entire upper section I thought was gold. So they, you know, it's yeah, Arizona's yeah. kind of Big Ten country like that. A lot of people from the Midwest, maybe including North Dakota, uh, yeah. live down here. So there were a lot of uh, Iowa fans there, but there were also a bunch of Arizona fans because it was a sold-out game. So it had a slightly different feel. It, this was a game, Shane, that was that it just it felt so good to win, and I. Yeah. Once again, I still hate the scheduling. I know the result. I know. I still hate it. It, it was Just such, enjoy it. Just enjoy it. It was such week. a thrill. Yeah. I mean, you talk about that drive home. I got home at what, 115? Always morning. feels I better. Didn't... It's so much easier that that drive. That drive so... sucks either way. But when when you're coming home after a win, you listen to the postgame show on the radio, you, you know, you, you maybe you safely look at some tweets on the way home. And see no, no. You know what? I, I just, I didn't need caffeine for the ride home. I was yeah. wired. I was excited. I could have driven. I, I joked with the person I, I went with. I was like, I could, I can drive back to Tucson now. Uh, not really, <laughs> but it was, it was a, a fun night. All right, let's preview the show before we get into buy or sell. Uh, our buddy John Canzano going to join us. I know he is a uh, popular topic. Everyone amongst, loves John Canzano. Everyone. I wouldn't use the term everyone, but uh, especially those uh, when it comes to Pac-10, Pac-12 realignment. And all of that, uh, John has been pl as plugged in as anyone, yep. and he hasn't been wrong yet. Uh, as much as I as I thought he would be, 
uh, he wasn't. So we're excited to have John. He's a good guy. And uh, I hope you guys will enjoy listening to that. Uh, also, uh, now it's time, Shane, for uh, our traditional buy or sell, which is presented by Ice Shaker. And you can get one of those beautiful ice shakers that Shane is holding up at iceshaker.com. Use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C, to get $5 off. And those these things are amazing. I don't have mine in sight today, but I will be drinking out of it. I promise you, as soon as this show ends. I will mention real quick, they really do keep keep drinks cold. You know, I we both had had some ice in there for hours before we record our, our episode. And the ice is still in there. It's a nice cold drink. I haven't tested out the hot function yet because I really haven't had to out in there. Yeah. But this winter, I'm going to do that too. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I, I'm not a hot drinker, but I guess mm. you will, you'll, you'll let us know. All right. Uh, number one, Shane, uh, by yourself, North Dakota State lost this game more so than Arizona won it. I'm going to sell that the, they were, they were outplayed. Um, I, I think that, you know, if Arizona and North Dakota State played 10 times, North Dakota State would probably win six or seven of them, you know. Okay. For yeah. most of the game, I yeah. think they were better than the line of scrimmage. They pretty much yeah. did whatever they wanted uh, off on, on the offensive side of the ball. I, I thought they were a very disciplined team. Um, and I thought that they were the better team for most of the game, but Arizona yeah. made the majority of the big plays. They didn't turn the ball over and they had the strip sack Hunter Eccles that turned into a touchdown and those fourth down stops. I, I think that to your point, North Dakota state, probably they got a little lax with their play calling. I think the little too, uh, shall we say Noel Mazzoni there in the fourth quarter, Fair. but okay. they, they expected to put, keep pushing Arizona around the way they had the whole game and they didn't. And why wouldn't they think that? And, uh, their, their defense responded where, uh, where they needed it most. So, you know, you know, and I, I'll mention this on that, that last possession where Arizona took the lead. So many clutch plays, you know, it, it was really, you know, the, the cliche, it was a team effort. Jaden Delora looked sharp. The touchdown pass to Cowing on the run. Yep. Mac great made play. a great, made a, a great uh, clutch third down catch. He made two big plays, even though he wasn't big on the stat sheet, the, he drew the pass interference penalty uh, before halftime to get the field goal. And then the third down, Jonah Coleman had some big runs. Yeah. We'll talk about him. Yeah. Coming yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think they earned the win. I understand what your perspective, but I think Arizona earned the win by they, maybe they, they didn't, they didn't win. Like a, if you're scoring like a boxing match, but they made the biggest plays of the night. You know what? Uh, you, you sold me on this. I'm going to sell this one. Uh, North Dakota state did not lose this game more so than Arizona won it, but it's close. Arizona deserved to win the game based on how they played down the stretch. Yep. With that said, I don't think Matt Entz coached a great game. I thought North Dakota State could have gone down the field at at will uh, in the second half, and they just didn't. I don't know what what was with their play calling. Maybe Arizona made some adjustments. And Johnny Nansen, I know that uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, get uh, get you know Kenzano's thoughts about about Johnny Nansen. What what you know he thinks about the job that Arizona's defense has done thus far, but. Uh, this is a game Arizona probably should have lost. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I'll take it. I, I'm going to say that they won it just slightly more than North Dakota State lost it. Well, the only last thing I'll say about it is this. I don't want to play North Dakota State again. I'm never glad again. we're done. Never again. We got the win. We got out of Dodge. All good. I would not be upset if they never played again. If that yeah. was the only time in my life. Uh, I've, I've gone to, what, 180 college football games now. My first against North Dakota State would not be depressed if that was my last, hoping I live a long life at this point. Uh, <laughs> number two, Shane, this is the most. This is Arizona's most significant win since at least 2018 by herself. Well, obviously, it's a low bar because there weren't that many wins to yeah, speak right, of. But, but yeah, I, I think so. Uh, 
doing it in front of the home crowd, I think mattered. And I know that yeah. it was special to you for that reason. You were in yeah. San Diego. You got to go to that game, which was, yeah, was fun. Yeah. Which was awesome. But yeah. you haven't been to a home win in, in three years. You missed the Cal game last year because you got the COVID. Uh, yep. So I, I'm I'm thrilled for you just for you and for the home fans that have been loyal like you have, that they finally got the win. So it generated excitement into the program, the fans that, that stayed up late to watch on TV like I did. Uh, and it validated the decision of the fans who made it, who made the decision to come to that game. Even maybe some who were on the fence, like, oh, they didn't play well against Mississippi state. It's the same old wildcats who really is North Dakota state anyway, to your point. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of fans were thinking that. So in that regard, it was a, a win against a quality opponent FCS or not. It was a clutch win. It was exciting. And it, I, I think also the, all the visiting fans there from, from based on what you told me, it, all the visiting fans are kind of galvanized the home fans to make more noise too. And I'm sure it made for an exciting atmosphere. So I think from an emotional standpoint, it was probably their biggest win. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm going to say this is probably uh, Arizona's biggest win as a program since October 27th, 2018 against Justin Herbert and number 19, Oregon, where Arizona won uh, 44 to 15. Sure. Um, ironically that game as well. I remember I also sat in the north end zone. So maybe that's a key. And that is why next year I want to move my tickets over there because I'm starting to, to you know, buy into this whole superstition thing. Um, and seriously, it's more, more comfortable seats well, with seatbacks. Yeah, I was going to say they actually have the seatbacks there, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's way better. Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to tell you that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know some people don't like end zone views. At first, I was sitting lower in the end zone. I prefer to sit a little bit higher, but yes, it it is a significant I, difference. I'll tell you one of my favorite end zone views, Eric, was the 2009 Territorial Cup game. Oh, when interesting. Alex, when when yeah. Alex Zendejas, I know, yeah. blocked PATs the following year, but that year, kicked the game-winning field goal. If you go back and watch the end of that game, you can see me with my arms raised. Really? My, well, my ASU friend has got his, his arms folded right next to me. It was it was one of the, my favorite memories. It was in Sun Devil Stadium, no less, but end zone seats aren't all bad. Well, I was sitting in the upper deck that day, so uh, you had a lot better seats than I did. There you go. Um, all right. So, yes, I'm going to say definitely this is the most significant win uh, for Arizona since at least 2018. Number three, the most impressive offensive player for the Wildcats, Shane, was running back Jonah Coleman. Buy or sell? Uh, I'd give it to Delora, so I'll sell that. I, you know, Jane Delora, we talked about last week. How is he? Does he have the maturity and the humility to learn from his mistakes. And he did. He ran the ball when, when he needed to, not too much. He threw the ball when he needed to. Jetfish said after the game that Delora has the permission to sort of throw the ball on the run if he, find, if he sees a guy open. So that communication between Jetfish and Jane Delora seems to be very strong. So I'd give it to him. As far as Jonah Coleman, I put him right behind Delore for sure. You know, we saw the week before when he chased down the Mississippi State defender on an interception. He hustles. He plays smarter than a true yep. freshman. Uh, he's definitely up there. He scored. He's made some big plays. Scored some touchdowns. Uh, but I'd give Delore the MVP at least for the last game. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to sell the Jonah Coleman one. I, I was just. I, I mean, I had to throw in a sell here sooner or later. Um, I was really impressed with him. I know he only touched the ball seven times, 46 combined yards and a touchdown, but the guy runs hard. He plays with a ton of effort. This is a keeper. This guy oh, yeah. in the backfield, uh, you know, speedy Luke was more of the highly touted name considering what he did in the all American bowl, but and he'll be big going it. forward, but right. Yeah. But that one, two punch with Coleman and, and speedy Luke for future years. And that's nothing against Michael Wiley, who, by the way, it's gotten a lot better this season. Mm -hmm. Um, that, but that, that one, two punch is really exciting. 
with that said, I feel bad for a guy like Stevie Rocker, who was getting a chance last year. We haven't, who probably never going to see the field again at Arizona. Um, Drake, bad, Ander- not- Drake Anderson, he was their leading rusher last year. We had him on the podcast last never year. Never going to so. see the, yeah, never yeah. going to see the field. Yeah, it's it's too bad. But these guys, these freshmen, I mean, Jed's done a great job. Just got to keep them. You know, in this day and age of the transfer portal, you got to keep guys happy. So that's true. And and you know what? That's the te- next test for them. I think really is they've done a great job getting guys here, both uh, freshmen and transfers. The next test is, can they keep them? Can they keep them happy? Especially some of the guys who may not get as much playing time as they want right away. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we'll worry about that in the off season. I'm sure talk plenty about that, but Jaden Delora, the most uh, impressive player, the throw on the run and the 10, 10 rushes for 50 yards, uh, significant improvement over last week when Jed, since Jed allowed him to actually run with the ball. Uh, number four, Shane, the odds makers have it right. Arizona deserves to be an underdog at Cal. Three and a half points last we saw. Is that is that right? It was three, down to three. Three, down to three now. Yeah. Okay. Started at six. Yeah, it did. It, it went down yeah. to three quickly. So, yeah. But you know what? I guess I'm naive here because I actually expected Arizona to be a slight favorite in this game. I did too. Uh, I, and I don't think Cal minus three is unreasonable by any means. But I actually think Arizona is a better team than them. And you know, someone on Twitter noted earlier this week, odds makers don't seem to know what to do with Arizona. You nope. know, they were the same odds makers. They had them winning two and a half games or put the over under two and a half before the season started. I think that's a fair point. You know, they have so much new talent. They won just one game a year ago. It's still hard to know they good how, how good they are. And then you have to factor in Cal. They played Notre Dame tough. And by the way, almost a backdoor cover there. And then they almost tied the game yep. too. It was a crazy yep. last couple of minutes. Um, they played Notre Dame tough, but then Notre Dame lost to Marshall, which just lost to Bowling Green. So it's still, and then Cal barely beat UNLV. So it's still early in the season and we're still separating the bad teams from the good teams, from the great teams. And Cal is at home. So from that perspective, I think it's fine for Cal to be a slight favorite. So I guess I'll buy it. They have it right. But I was actually personally surprised that Arizona is not favorite, even though I probably shouldn't have been. So uh, generally in football, the rule is a home team gets three points. Um, So on a neutral field, what they're saying is Arizona and Cal are equal. Uh, I think Arizona is better on a neutral field. I think if they played Cal tomorrow, at some random bowl game in the middle of the country, I think Arizona wins. And how big of uh, home know, field advantage is, is Berkeley anyway, though? I, I Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine it's going to be a sellout. One thing you said, Shane, that's really interesting. So, you know, I work for a site, sportsline.com, which is a which is a pick site. And I don't want to give away the Arizona Cal pick, but I, that, that the, the, there's a model that makes these score predictions. The pick on that game, in my opinion, is shocking. Because it just it it does not account for Arizona's growth this season. Let me say that. Yeah. Um. I and and I I just don't think the models know what to do with Arizona. That's yeah. one thing that a model can't necessarily figure out. Thus, three games into the year, Jaden Delore is the quarterback. That they have, you know, T Mac and Jacob Cowing and this running back parade, you know, of of good players that's where the model just isn't right. And uh, I mean, obviously you know what it says, but it's, it's not favorable to Arizona. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think that kind of thing is considered a statistic any more than I, I would say win probability is a statistic. Yeah. Statistics are things that have already happened. Trying to guess the future is a whole other thing. And it's really, it's just that it's a guess. Uh, with that said, I think ESPN also has cows like, like their FPI or whatever has uh Cal is like a 65% chance. means nothing means absolutely nothing. And look, maybe they'll be right. But it means nothing at this point. And but I do sympathize a bit with odds makers and the people who create these algorithms because it really is tough to, to know what to make of Arizona right now. All right. Now, one thing about the odds makers, remember this, Shane. The whole goal for an odds maker 
is to get equal amount of money on both sides. If they do that, they generally will make 10% juice. So they make a 10% profit, win or lose, whichever team wins or loses. So the goal is that the numbers are going to show that Cal is, you know, these models show that Cal is the better team based on last year, despite that result in November where 25 guys were out in Arizona won the game, Cal was the better overall team. I just don't feel it that way. And I think what, what they're trying to do is if they had made Arizona a favorite, the 75% of the money would have been on Cal and they would have had a major liability there. Sure. Now you have the sharp people. And I'm wondering if, if some sharp people have gotten in on Arizona to push that line down. We'll make our picks later in the show. You think that line is going to shrink even more before the game time? No, I think it goes more towards Cal. I think, you think so. so? I, 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 if I were to make a, a prediction, I'd say it ends up at three and a half at the end of the week. Okay. I we'll think see. you get more more people, uh, casual betters who will will boost that up. Maybe three and a half, four points. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. Uh, bonus question, Shane. We couldn't go through buy or sell uh, presented by Ice Shaker without bringing this one up. Uh, Herm Edwards has been deposed as the uh, as the head coach of Arizona State. He was not fired. Uh, it was uh, a very bizarre sight. Uh, as I as I pointed out at two a.m. on Saturday evening on Twitter, this was the first time since 2018 that Arizona and uh, had won on a night and uh, ASU, ASU lost, lost yeah. to Eastern Michigan. I mean, it, it's a, the night was amazing. That's part of the reason my drive home was so great. Um, Shane, are you buy or sell? You were surprised at the timing of this Herm Edwards firing just in general. Uh, I'll, I'll buy that I was at first. Um, and I even tweeted about it. It's like, why now? Why not do it in the off season when, when you, when it, most fans were calling for it anyway, especially with the off field stuff and the assistant yeah. coaches leaving in mass exodus. The more I think about it, the more it seems like, and I don't want to get too conspiratorial here, but maybe ASU didn't want to fire Herm for that reason, because they don't want to look like it was some sort of admission of guilt. And yeah. now that loss to Eastern Michigan sort of gives them the cover to do it because all fans, if fans weren't the fans that were calling for Herm to be fired, uh, before then probably were now or at that point, yeah, right? Yeah. So from that perspective, I guess it sort of makes sense. Now they have a whole year to do an off, uh, you know, uh, a search for a new coach, but they could have done it all last year. I think they're probably better off doing that. But the more I think about it, the more I get ASU doing it when they did. I'm bummed. And I tweeted this out. I really wanted uh, Herm's last game to be an Arizona win. Um, that would have been fantastic. He went four and zero against the Wildcats. Yeah, isn't that crazy though? That that you know a- ASU and I tweeted about this too. ASU's won five in a row against Arizona. Herm won yeah. four of them. You know Arizona is the, the one of the two programs that lost twenty three out of twenty four games. And yet Arizona fans right now are feeling great. They're excited about the future. And ASU fans are think they might be happy Herm left, but they're thinking what's next? This could be a rough road for a while. So you just never know in college football. All right. Uh, bonus question number two, Shane. This is this one you do not know. I kind of threw this one. Uh, um, Arizona State's loss to Eastern Michigan is comparable to Arizona's loss to NAU in terms of the detriment it had on the fan base by yourself. Ooh, yeah. It, that caveat you threw in there because I was all ready to sell it because the NAU loss is worse in terms well, of. Well, agreed. But level. compared for what the expectations of the fan base were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think, although, you know what, I'm still going to sell it because I think Arizona fans still expected and we still expected. We go back and, and listen to last year's uh, podcast at this time. We still expected Arizona to beat NAU sure. and then they go up 13, nothing. And you think, okay, well, at least there's a win. At least our losing streak is over, but then it doesn't happen. So maybe it's comparable. You know, I think ASU football fans are 
they expect more from their football team. It is a football school. Arizona is a men's basketball school. So from that perspective, I understand what you're saying. I, it's just hard for me to put it on the same level, even though I understand where you're coming from. It's on the same level for me. I, I Listen, NAU is worse. Don't get me wrong. It was an FCS team. But for what Arizona State was expect, or expects of their football program with Herm Edwards, yeah. to lose at home by double or by nearly double digits, 30 to 21, to a team they were a 20-point favorite over, uh, Eastern Michigan, the first time a MAC team has ever beaten a Pac-12 team. Mm-hmm. I, this, to them, was their NAU moment. Sure. Um, they were 20 and, think, 20 and a half point favorites, I believe. To be I am, Eastern they Michigan. were, yep, yep. I'm very interested to hear what uh, we're going to, of course, we're going to bring it up to Canzano uh, coming up next to hear what he thinks about that. But I reveled in it. And I'm sure plenty of you listening to this podcast reveled in it as well. Coming up next, John Canzano. Uh, he knows everything, most things about realignment. Let's find out what's going on. Plus his thoughts on Arizona here on Wildcat Country. Scooby, we sent you an ice shaker. Um, they are a sponsor, uh, courtesy of our buddy Chris Gronkowski. Uh, you have it oh, right there. I love my ice shaker. Fun fact: when I was I trained with Glenn Gronkowski, everybody when we were trained together, people thought I was I was the other Gronk brother. So it was kind of funny. But yes, I love my ice shaker. It is very good. I use it every day. I am a I am a veteran to the ice shaker game, by the way. What's up, Wildcat Country? Chris Gronkowski here. Use coupon code Wildcat Country at iShaker.com. Very pleased to have our buddy John Canzano, who is uh, pretty much the guru when it comes to everything and anything Pac-12. You can listen to him up in Oregon and find more of his columns at JohnCanzano.com. John, glad to have you on for the second time. And I guess it's really, you know, for us here in Arizona, things are going great. We're two and one in the non-conference season. Just your thoughts on Arizona thus far from uh, the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, it was really interesting. At, at Pac-12 Media Day, I had a really good conversation with Jed Fish. And I could, you can tell when you talk to coaches who feel like they know something nobody else knows. He had that feel about him. And, and maybe it's Jaden Delora at quarterback. Maybe he just knows, hey, look, they've got 20-something transfer players. He probably looked around the room and knew he had more talent than he had a year ago. But you could tell that Arizona felt like much better now in this season under Jed Fish. And, and they're showing it on the field. I mean, they... They had, they're winning games. They've been competitive. You know, they were non-competitive in some games last season. So I've, I'm excited to see what happens in conference play because I don't think the rest of the country has woken up to the fact that Arizona's playing good football. Yeah, John, uh, thanks again for joining us. Like Eric said, um, Eric and I have had this discussion many times about whether it was worth scheduling North Dakota State and like it was like a no-win situation, even though they got a big win. What are your thoughts on scheduling a team like that? Just the benefits, pros and cons. Well, look, I mean, I think it's harder and harder to get those games. I've been talking to ADs around the conference and, you know, there's some talk about the Pac-12 going from nine conference games down to eight. If they do that, they've got to have a crossover partner, like another conference, like the ACC to say, hey, we're just going to play crossover games. So because there's a real challenge right now in trying to get those money games, Um, there are fewer teams that are willing to come for under uh, $700,000. Like, you know, I know Portland state asked Alabama for 1.5 million in the last conversation. Um, and so I think you're having some of those easier wins are, are tougher to get or more expensive to get to come to your stadium. And then the teams that are willing to come and play it like North Dakota state, they're dangerous. I mean, you know, even Oregon state playing Montana state, that's a good team from the big sky. It's a little bit dicey with, even though they got a big W in that, that's a little dicey to get that game. So I think you have to 
sort of address the idea that it's tough to get those games. You can pay those better competitors like North Dakota State a little less money. So you you generally want the win, right? They got the win. They paid for it. They sold some tickets. I think Arizona has to leave that feeling pretty good because I think, you know, North Dakota State was something like 6-0 and against their previous six, uh, you FBS know. FBS teams, yeah. FC, yeah. yeah it was, that was a dicey game for Arizona, and they got out of there with a W. Yeah. So heading into Pac-12 play, John, uh, I have Arizona ranked in the Pac-12. It's kind of hard to know where everyone is, but I have them somewhere in like the seven to nine range as far as how good they are compared to the rest of the Pac-12. Where do you put them? Yeah, I think you're about right there. I would put them closer to seven than nine, though, because I think, you know, offensively, they've done some things that make me think that they can score in the Pac-12. And and I'm looking around and I do think there's a core group of about six teams right now that are set apart from the bottom six. I think, you know, the Pacific Northwest has the four teams. And of course, you've got USC and Utah. After them, I think it's kind of wide open. I think UCLA, Arizona, maybe Cal, maybe Stanford, don't quite know who they are yet are in that conversation. And then, of course, we have Colorado at the bottom that, you know, everybody's kind of wondering where they are. But I think there's some opportunities in this conference. We've always seen the Pac-12, you know, cannibalize itself. But Arizona is one of those teams that I think could rise up and beat teams in the top six and uh, just needs to hold serve against in the games it should win. Yeah, and that's that's key, John, because, you know, Arizona has Cal and, and Colorado up in their next two, and then they have a really rough stretch starting with Oregon, includes Washington, UCLA, USC, Utah. I mean, that's a, a game where they, they have to at least get one if, if we're going to talk bowl game uh, here, but uh, that's beside the point. As far as coaches being fired in the conference, Herm Edwards, first of all, was that a surprise to you? And secondly, do you see Carl Durrell being out soon? And is Chip Kelly getting, is his seat getting warmer? Yeah, I thought at the beginning of the year that Herm was the one guy that was in trouble. So it didn't shock me, but Arizona State stood by him through the NCAA investigation, through all the turmoil of the last 18 months. And so it was a little alarming to see them, you know, go kind of knee jerk reaction after a loss to Eastern Michigan. So uh, I think the timing of it was what was a little funky, but it may be that Michael Crow and Ray Anderson decided like, hey, this is the best time. The fan base was sort of restless and galvanized against Herm. And maybe it was the best time to get out of that scenario. And I think the people in Arizona, Arizona State really expected that Herm might resign at the end of the year and just kind of, you know, he's 68 years old. Maybe he goes off and does something else, gets back into broadcasting. But to see him go out the way he did, you know, I think the Herm Edwards fans didn't like it. Arizona State wasn't great for them to start the season and now have this big interruption. So um, I think, you know, really disruptive. And I, I tend to think like you see some teams rally in the wake of of a coaching dismissal. I don't think this is going to be the case at Arizona State. I think they're going to fizzle a little bit here and struggle. You think Darrell? Uh, I I heard a rumor that after this week he's gone, and Chip after barely beating South Alabama last week, he's not looking so good either. What are your thoughts on those two? Comes down to money for both of those guys. Carl Darrell, you know, he is. You know, if they fire him at the end of this season, uh, at, you know, after January 1, I think they'll only owe him about $7 million only. Only. Uh, if they wait another year, it drops to $4 million. So the question is, you know, what what are the Colorado boosters willing to pay to part ways? It's, it's clearly the energy has gone from the program. Rick George knows it. You don't put the statement that he put out without knowing that you have a problem and it's just a matter of time. Um, I had another coach tell me that that they thought not a Pac-12 coach outside the conference said that they felt like Colorado was asleep 
I think that's a good uh, estimation of what's going on with that football program. It's taken a nap right now. It's offensively anemic. You know, I think he inherited a tough situation, but he just hasn't done enough with it. So I, I don't think he makes it beyond this season. It's just a matter of, do they fire him before the buyout drops? Do they wait till the end of the year, wait till after January one, or does it happen sooner when it comes to chip? He just got a contract extension and I felt like there was some chance there that UCLA may not have wanted to uh, extend him. He certainly didn't have the great success on the field, but he had some influential boosters. He had the Wasserman family and he had Troy Aikman in his corner. And I think uh, Martin Jarman, the athletic director at UCLA, really didn't have a choice. Uh, they were obviously, now we know, they were focused on other things as well, trying to get to the Big Ten Conference. So they owe Chip Kelly too much money to part ways with him during this season or even next. So I, I do think that he's going to get some time at UCLA. John, going back to Arizona, their conference opener against Cal this week in Berkeley. Uh, it, it's hard to, to kind of make make sense of Cal to, uh, from my perspective at this point. You know, they almost beat Notre Dame, but the Notre Dame lost to Marshall, which lost to Bowling Green. And then Cal just barely got past UNLV a couple of weeks ago. What do you make of the Cal Bears so far? I, you know, I, I, I picked them to beat Notre Dame. I thought, I think Notre Dame's really down, really struggling. I thought Justin Wilcox in that game would give Notre Dame's offense fits and it looked good for a while, but um, look that Cal team, I think is a perfect patsy for this point of the season for Arizona. Like this is an ideal game. If you want to get a win, get tested a little bit, I think Cal presents itself in that way. I, I think offensively, it'll be interesting to see Jed fish against Justin Wilcox and that defense at Cal but I just think Arizona is more talented and I think, you know, it comes down to the players and, you know, barring three turnovers or something wild that happens in this game, I expect Arizona to beat Cal and, and I think it'll be a good test for them. It'll be a good opportunity for them to kind of get some momentum in conference play. What are your thoughts on Johnny Nansen so far as a defensive coordinator? You know, we know he was a great recruiter first time as a DC at the college level. Uh, what are your thoughts on what he's done for uh, on the defensive side so far replacing Don Brown? I think that you've got a number of coordinators in the conference right now that are in the same boat. I'm watching Oregon in the same way. Kenny Dillingham on offense and, you know, Tosh LaPoy on defense. And I'm looking at Trent Bray at Oregon State, who's really calling plays for the first full season on defense. And I think the sample size is too small. It's hard to tell. You know, I, I look at North Dakota State and I think, you know, is that a better win than, you know, uh, Oregon State beating Boise State? Like, I think, you know, you could look at those two things and compare them. So I think the sample size is too small. Pay attention to what happens uh, in this week, because I think you're now going to get to see some of those crossover games where we get to see Pac-12 on Pac-12 crime. And we get to see like, you know, can the Arizona defense uh, take care of a Cal offense that really doesn't feel very dynamic? And, you know, if they do, then okay, look out, because I think Arizona will score points this season. All right, John, it's been 10 minutes and we haven't brought up our favorite subject with you, and that's conference realignment. So now it's time. The, the latest rumors, Amazon wants to get involved with conferences to televise games. My first question on this topic is the Pac-12, in your opinion, are we fully good to go going forward or is Oregon or Oregon and, and Washington still planning their exit strategy in the next couple of years? I think the whole Oregon-Washington thing was overblown. I think that there were obviously conversations between consultants I think uh, the Big Ten was never really serious about immediately or imminently taking a team. I think they were just having conversations. And I and I don't blame the sides for doing that, but it, it did cause some unrest and a lot of anxiety in the footprint and people to go, oh, is the conference imploding? Or, 
you know, George Klyovkov, we talked to him this week. He sounded super confident that the 10 remaining teams were going to stay in the conference. Um, he, he didn't seem concerned about the Big 12 or the Big 10. I've talked to numerous athletic directors in the conference in the last couple months. It, it just it matches what they're saying. So I think that this this group of 10 feels galvanized. Now, if Oregon leaves, let's just say Oregon decides they have to get out and they go to the Big Ten at some point, then it's a different conversation. And and you might have some programs that run for the hills. But right now, I think they're on the same page. I think they'll get a media rights deal done. And the question is, what's the blend, right? Is it is it a streamer? Is it Amazon, Apple? Is it ESPN? Is it a combination of both? Because if you go all in with a streamer, you may get more money. But I think we're all going to recognize that, hey, some of the distribution issues that we have all been frustrated with, with the Pac-12 networks would just perpetuate with a total streaming service. I mean, I can imagine my parents calling me and saying, how do I get Amazon or how do I do this or how do I change channels? Like we're all going through that. But I think the timeline for streaming, everybody keeps saying five to 10 years. Nonsense. I think it's happening sooner. Like, you know, I think 24 months, 18 months, we're going to see more than just the NFL more than just MLS, I think they're going into college football. And so if you're the Pac-12, I think you have to get on board with some of that. And my hunch is it's going to be the Pac-12 networks that end up on Amazon or Apple. And it'll still be called the Pac-12 network. It'll be on Amazon or Apple. We'll all be able to get it and pay for it if we want it. You know, George Klyovkov said that when we were talking to him. He said, you know, he made this comment about, you know, might have to subscribe to get the content, but we want it available. And then he talked about kickoff times in the windows. And I got to thinking like, you know, the 730 games that we all hate, seven o'clock games. If you're on Amazon or you're on Apple, you can play those games anytime. You don't have to play them at seven o'clock. There's no set window. So you could, if you're Arizona or Washington State or whatever, you could move that game to say it's going to be a four o'clock kickoff. Everyone's agreed to it. I think fans would love it. I think it would be good for the conference, but you still need ESPN or Fox probably ESPN as your primary partner, because you need the propaganda machine of ESPN. We all know it. So uh, you, you bet. So do you think Fox is out of the picture? I mean, how much, like if, if the PAC 12 or PAC 10 goes with uh, one of these big channels, what percentage would you put ESPN at? And what percentage would you put Fox at? I think, uh, so there's 36 games on the PAC 12 network. So, you know, that just takes a chunk of your inventory over to let's say Amazon or Apple as a streaming thing, plus the Olympic sports and all that content that, you know, maybe not everybody cares about, but some people do. And I think some people would subscribe to Amazon or buy prime or buy the Apple service just to see volleyball or baseball or softball. So I think there's a market for that, but it's mainly the football games that would be the big draw. I think the rest of the content is likely to end up with ESPN. Um, you know, George Kwiatkow said, just because somebody bought the big 10 doesn't mean that they wouldn't buy the Pac-12. And I thought that was interesting. I don't know if he was trying to create leverage because we all know that they're probably negotiating with ESPN or if he really was sort of hinting that, you know, Fox or CBS or NBC could come in and be kind of a third partner in the mix. And I think ideally, if you're the Pac-12, you want ESPN, you want a streaming service and the money there, but it would be great to have you know, is there one game a week that Fox gets to take or CBS that's somewhere else? I mean, I think that gives you maximum distribution and allows you to reach some people that maybe are not streamers. Last question for you, John. Arizona's two and one, nine games left. They got a couple of winnable games coming up. ASU at the end of the year, maybe in between, like Eric said, uh, kind of a murderer's row of, of, of Pac-12 opponents. 
what's the ceiling for Arizona this year in terms of wins in your opinion? I think you got to set it where you guys, you guys kind of alluded to six wins in a bowl game. I mean, I think you get Cal, you get Colorado, you get Arizona state. So you're sitting at five. Can you get one more? And I think Arizona will, I think they'll find a way to win one more game. And it, it, it really will depend on Jaden Delora staying healthy. It'll depend on can Arizona get better while maybe some of the other teams stand still. But the top six teams that I mentioned, you know, USC looks like a world beater, but we haven't seen them tested yet. Washington looks terrific, uh, but they don't really have a bell cow running back. So they're not perfect. Oregon, Oregon has some flaws. Like I think Oregon's a good team, but they're not perfect. This is not a dominant Oregon team. Oregon State has some issues too. I, I think, you know, they they haven't run the ball like they had in the past. So I think, you know, really outside of Utah and maybe USC, there are some winnable games in there for Arizona that, you know, can they sneak one? And that's that's the question for Jed Fish. If they can get one more, they're playing in a bowl game. If they get to a bowl game, John, we're popping champagne uh, after what we've seen. I mean, last Saturday was the first home game I had seen a win in three years because I wasn't at the Cal game last year. I mean, it was, and I'm a season ticket holder. It was just, it was a glorious feeling to actually see a win. Uh, my final question for you. So you now have a new podcast with John Wilner. Tell us about that. And and for our audience, once again, where can they find your columns and hear you? Yeah. If you, if you want to read me, johnconzano.com exclusively there, I've gone rogue, uh, get a free subscription, <laughs> get a paid subscription, whatever works for, for you works for me. Uh, Wilner and I have been talking over the years and he's come on my radio show frequently. We've talked over the years, like, you know, why are we not doing a more in-depth podcast? And, uh, we talked about it, you know, months before the PAC 12 lost USC and UCLA, but we kind of just called that day and went, Hey man, we should be doing this. Like, you know, it's more than a 10 minute radio interview. You know, we could do this twice a week. And, you know, we got George Klyovkov this week as a guest and we have some big plans for other guests down the pipeline. But it, you can find the Kanzano and Wilner podcast anywhere that you get a podcast and you can find my radio show podcast as well. If you're searching for me on uh, any of those platforms, my radio show podcast will pop up as well. But everything's at johnconzano.com. That's really the hub. Well, John, uh, for the second time, we really appreciate you coming on with Shane and I and uh, look forward to having you on again soon. Just great intel. It's like we went to class, as I like to say. Uh, we learned so much from you in these last 15 minutes. So thanks again. Appreciate you guys. Really good to have John on. Uh, great feedback from him. It just really impressed with Arizona. He's picking Arizona over Cal. Uh, Shane, what was interesting to me, a couple of things. First of all, he thinks that ASU is going to just basically shut down for the rest of the year and not play hard after Herm's firing. I, I would actually disagree. I think Sean Aguano is a pretty good coach for out of Chandler High. I think they're going to play harder than they would have with Herm. So that's where I disagree with them, number one. Number two, just the whole realignment thing. Uh, we did not get into expansion this time around with John, but uh, he seems pretty uh, resolute that this conference is staying together. And I guess that's a good sign for those of you who want it. I'm still not there, but okay. Yeah, I, I think sooner, well, maybe not sooner, but later, I, I think here, the Pac-12 is probably, and the Pac-10 is, is going to go away. Maybe not maybe not as quickly as we think, though. I think there, there may be some uh, some fight left in this conference for, okay, for a while yeah. longer. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as, far as uh, Edwards and the issue, I don't agree with that either. I, I agree with John Canzano a lot of things. Yeah, I actually think that they're going to show a little more fight now. I think that sometimes this kind of thing galvanizes a team. Uh, yep. Not always; it depends on the situation. But you know, I always 
think back to you know 2011 and, and uh, when Mike Stoops got fired and Tim Kish comes on and they yep. go off and, and, and blow out UCLA the next game. And then they, it was a rough season for a while after that, but then they upset ASU. So I, I, I think they'll, they'll be fine. I don't think they're going to be any worse, put it that way. Uh, they'll probably, uh, you know, win a couple games uh, along the way. I did also think, you know, when Canzano described Colorado as kind of a sleepy, a, a team that's asleep, yeah. made me think of Kevin Sumlin's team two years ago. I don't think oh, it was last year because they were just bad. They weren't asleep. They were just bad. Two years ago, I think Arizona was sort of sleepwalking, and I think Kevin Sumlin had a lot to do with that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I, you know, I I expect them to play harder with with Kenzon or with uh, with Aguano though. I think he's going to do yeah. a good job. Remember, he's coaching for his future too. He made the move sure. to leave a successful high school program to go to the college ranks. Now he gets to take over a big program. You know, he wants that job. I don't think he's going to Oppor- get it. But opportunity of a lifetime for him though, for sure. Exactly. All yeah. right. Uh, just a couple quick things, Shane, before we get into our college picks, which we'll go through quickly. Um, Arizona's men's basketball schedule, and it's been announced in the last week. The, the non-conference schedule outside of Indiana and Tennessee is brutal. Western Oregon exhibition, Nichols, Southern University, Utah Tech. All right, the Maui is okay. You get Cincinnati and then Ohio State or San Diego State. Then you get Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, Montana State, Morgan State. Are the, are the big games good enough to justify this non-conference schedule from an RPI perspective? Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't know if their non-conference schedule is that much tougher last year. They had some big wins, but they played a lot of nobodies too. And they were still a one seed in the NCAA tournament. So I, I think there's less a margin for error in conference play when that happens. Um, but I, I would like to see them schedule tougher teams and they're going to in the future. They got the Duke home and home coming up. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'd like to see them get back maybe somewhere between Lute Olson and Sean Miller, you know, Lute always, put together a really tough non-conference schedule. Sean Miller, I think he's a guy who preferred to kind of start off slower. I was never crazy about that, but uh, I, I think they'll get back there. But yeah, it it's not as strong as I would like, but I, I think I think you're going to see it beefed up in the next couple of years. I hope so. I, I hate it. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm not paying for tickets and driving down to go see Utah Tech. I didn't even know there was such a school. Not you know, either. at least play. I know what you're trying to do, but winning over teams like that, it I mean, other than getting your walk-ons in the game, it doesn't, there's only downside to it. If the game is close or if you God forbid lose, I'm just not a fan. So uh, you're, saying, I, you're I, saying they scheduled a bunch of North Dakota States. Uh, I North Dakota state would have been preferable. Let me tell you that. <laughs> hey, uh, before we get into uh, picks, one last thing, uh, there was a uh, women's soccer goal that went viral uh, for Arizona. Can you tell us more about that? Oh, Sa- Sammy Betosh, uh, a freshman. Uh, in Becca Moros's team, her second year. Uh, you've probably seen it. You heard me talking about it. Yeah. Uh, it, it ball bounces. I think she, it, it bounces off her, off her legs. She falls to the ground just in, um, you know, was it the um, 18 yards sitting or so? On away, butt. Yeah. Ball, sitting on her butt. And she lifts her leg up and, and puts this floater right over the keeper. And it was not just a, a, not just a shot on goal, but it was one that was just like impossible for the keeper to, to save. It was amazing. It was their only goal of the match. They beat UC Davis. Uh, one nothing. So, you know, we haven't talked about the soccer team yet, but they're off to a pretty good start in uh, Becca Morosa's second year. They're three, two, and two. A lot of young talent, including Sammy, who it's you know she deserves all the all the recognition she's gotten for that. Um, and it brings some positivity to the program you know, on a national scale. So, definitely some rebuilding going on after Tony Amato left for Florida. Uh, but in the meantime, they're getting some wins, some hard fought draws, and it's nice to see. And that goal was was one of the best I've ever seen, men or women. Yeah, it was spectacular. So uh, keep it up, uh, women's soccer. Way to go. Uh, when it comes to football picks, we have 12 games that we're going to pick this week. We'll go quickly. 
Both Shane and I went five and six against the spread last week. We are both under 500. I'm one game under 500. Yeah. He is uh, three under 500. Right. Yep. Yeah, so we're one game rough. apart. I'll tell you what, you're uh, the one who's got the column about picks. You better be more active. Yeah. Sportsline.com. Check out my, uh, my college picks. I got 15 of them for you this week. Uh, so check that out. Sportsline.com. And it is free. You don't need to uh, pay for the Sportsline membership uh, to do to see that. We are both one and two against the spread and straight up in Arizona picks. So Shane, we'll get right to it. We've got a 12 pack. We'll go through these quickly. Clemson is a seven and a half point favorite at Wake Forest in a, in a game featuring ranked teams. Who you got? I'll go with Clemson. I think they're back. I think last year was a bit of an aberration. I, I think Wake Forest would be lucky to hang with Clemson for more than three quarters. I think Wake Forest is going to make this a game. I'm still not buying into Clemson. Okay. I'm probably crazy with this one. I think Clemson wins, but I'll say it's by a touchdown or less. Uh, this one's a weird one. I couldn't resist throwing it in there. 3-0 and Duke at 3-0 and Kansas. Shane and Kansas, of all teams, yeah. is favored by 7.5. What a great job by Lance Leopold over at Kansas. I, I like him to cover. I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to blow the doors off Duke. Their offense has been phenomenal. They crushed Houston on the road last week, and they beat West Virginia on the road the week before in overtime. Uh, I'm going with uh, I'm going with Kansas big here. We got Oh boy. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with, with Duke simply because I don't think it's fair for, for Kansas to have a men's basketball national champion and a football team that wins too. That's not fair at all. We, we don't, we haven't gotten either in a long time. So for a very petty reason, I'm going with Duke and that's good enough for me. I like where your head's at. Uh, Colorado might be the worst team in the country and they're getting 21 and a half at home against UCLA. Now, one caveat to this, Shane, I've heard whether it's true or not, and I mentioned this to Canzano, that uh, this could be Carl Durrell's last week. We'll mm. see if it's true. He says probably at the end of the year with a buyout, we know Chip Kelly is safe. Does UCLA cover the 21 and a half on the road? Uh, it, it's hard for me. I'm struggling with this just because I still haven't made up my mind because UCLA didn't look very good either. Although I no. think this game might have been a wake up call for them. 21 and a half on the road. If it was USC, I take it in the heartbeat. I'm going to say Colorado finds a way to cover because UCLA just isn't playing very well right now. UCLA won at the end of the game on, on a on a walk-off field goal against South Alabama. Have. South that's Alabama shot joke. themselves in the foot. Yeah, that's, they that's right. Yeah, they, exactly. They should have lost, which would have been really embarrassing. Nobody's showing up to their games as is. I think hmm. Colorado's going to cover this one as well. I, Colorado's bad, but I think Carl Durrell is going to show some fight uh, against his old team. Maybe a 14 to 17 point game. Go that way. Interesting game. Uh, Michigan State got got blown out for the most part, lost by 11 uh, to Washington last week. One. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now Minnesota is a two and a half point favorite at Michigan State. I like Minnesota here. I think PJ Flex team is playing really, really well. And, and I'm just not big on the the fighting Mel Tuckers. I'll take Minnesota to uh, pull to be the to win the game out right and cover that two and a half. Who you got? Yeah, I'm surprised P.J. Fleck hasn't taken a bigger job yet. But, yeah, I think Minnesota. You know, Michigan State proved me wrong. I'm not going to do this uh, fool me twice thing again. So, yeah, Minnesota at home. is is It's an easy pick for me. I'll probably be wrong, but it's an easy pick. A lot of my coworkers uh, for, for my job work in Tennessee, uh, and they are volunteer fans and alums. Uh, Tennessee is a 10.5-point favorite against Florida, who has won six in a row against the Vols. Uh, who are you taking? Tennessee minus 10.5 or Florida getting the points? I'll take Florida with the points. Uh, you know, Florida, they're hard to figure out because they beat Utah the first week of the season, but I think that was more of like both teams getting their feet wet, and Utah is a long trip for them. And Florida struggled since then, barely got past South Florida, and then um, you know, got whipped by Kentucky at home. But but I'll I'll take Florida to cover. I think it'll be a close game. If nothing else, Tennessee is going to have a little more nerves for this game. Like you said, lost to Florida six times in a row. Um, they're going to hear about that in the press. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with, uh, with uh, Florida. 
I am too. Uh, Florida has, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson's been turning the ball over lately, but remember he was a sneaky Heisman candidate after week one. I think he's going to play pretty well. And I don't, I'm still not buying into Tennessee's defense. Close, fun game. Uh, cool that college game day is going there. It's always been a great rivalry. Uh, but I think Florida covers. Tennessee wins. Florida makes this game close. A game that I, I'm going with the upset here, Shane. Oregon's a six and a half point favorite at Washington State. I think the Cougars actually might be for real. I'm picking the upset. I'm, I'm just, I, I know Oregon had a great win against uh, BYU last week. I, I'm not buying it. I'm not only taking Washington State plus six and a half, I'm taking them outright. What do you think? I disagree with you on both counts. I think Oregon covers not by a lot, but I think they went somewhere in the seven to 10 point range. Taking another uh, underdog outright chain on the road. Maybe I'm just going crazy and trying to get you back into these picks, but I think Arkansas wins the game at Texas A&M as a two and a half point underdog. I think they are, they're just a better team. I think A&M uh, just can't score enough. And I think in a lower scoring game, Arkansas will do enough and, and beat the Aggies once again. What do you think? Arkansas almost lost to an FCS opponent themselves last weekend. Uh, I, I'll go with A&M on this one. Uh, Ohio State is a 17.5-point favorite against Wisconsin. Buckeyes dropped 77 last week against Toledo. Wisconsin lost to Washington State a few weeks ago. Who you got? Ohio State to cover. Uh, Wisconsin just isn't that good. The Big Ten overall just does not have a lot of depth this year. I mean, you know, we haven't even talked about Iowa uh, and how bad oh. they've been offensively. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, but Ohio State is the big fish in the small pond. I'll go with them to cover. The Big Ten is Ohio State, Michigan, next tier Penn State, and then everybody else. I, even though Minnesota could Minnesota could be in that Penn State tier. They're, they look really sharp. I'm going with the Buckeyes, too. I think uh, I don't think Wisconsin can generate enough offense. I know they they put up a lot on on poor Jerry Kill's New Mexico State team last week, but uh, I don't think that Wisconsin is going to do enough to stay with Ohio State. I think Buckeyes win by three touchdowns. Uh, USC, this is a weird line, Shane. Oregon State has not lost a home game since uh, 2020, and maybe even before that. I, I'd have to look that up. No, they were undefeated last year and undefeated thus far this year. Um, they are a six and a half point underdog at home to USC. This line is really fishy. I, I think USC wins by two touchdowns, though. Sometimes you just got to throw out odds makers. They maybe yeah, they I, know what they're doing in this one. I just I agree with you. I like Oregon State. I think they're actually better than most people think. I think they're a top twenty five team, but I think USC is that much better. I think they cover. Uh, okay, all right. We're gonna go through these real quick, Shane. Uh, we'll just make make a quick pick on these. Uh, Stanford at Washington. Washington favored by thirteen and a half. Washington easy. Stanford's terrible. Huskies have a really good schedule. Only a game at Oregon on November twelfth. They may they may go eleven and one, if not twelve and zero, before facing USC or, U, or Utah in the Pac twelve championship game. I believe they avoid both of them during the regular season. And before we get to the Arizona game, Utah minus fourteen and a half at ASU. I guess my better judgment. I'm going to go with ASU to cover. I think they're going to come out strong. I don't think they win, but I think you're going to see a better team this week. Last year, uh, Utah was down 21-7 at half, rolled off four, uh, 28 in a row, and then ASU got blown out by Washington State. I expect Utah to win this game big. Sorry, Sean Aguano, it's not your day. Uh, okay, finally, Shane, we'll do this one quickly as well. Arizona at Cal. Cal, we're going to say, is a three-point favorite. What do you think? For the first time, I'm going to take Arizona uh, to cover. I think the first time, yeah. Arizona to cover and to win outright. I think they're the better team. Like Scanzano basically stole my thunder. I think, you know, California's got a decent quarterback. Also, uh, the guy, guy with the last name of Plummer. Uh, I think Arizona's got Will's too brother. Much, yep, got, uh, got too much. I think Arizona's got too much firepower. I think they're better offensively than Notre Dame, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, but I think it's, it'd be a little ugly at first, but I think Arizona wins, I think, somewhere in the, the 24 to 14 range. Right, you're, oh, wow, you're going to 10-point win. I, yep. I actually like Arizona as well, Shane. I, I Maybe I hope we're not jinxes here. 
I really, I feel like this team is, has turned the, the corner. I think Arizona is due to win this game. I, I just think Justin Wilcox, we didn't even get to him with Canzano about his coaching future. This is, this is Arizona's time with a game against Colorado coming up next. Four and one start definitely looks promising. This is a game Arizona has to have. If they win this game, we're going to talk Bulls next week on Wildcat Country. I can promise you that. Arizona 24, Cal 21. So yeah. you have 24-14. I'm going 24-21. Uh, I want to thank John Canzano once again for joining Shane and I. Uh, always glad to have him on. For Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Let's hope for another victorious weekend. Thanks for listening. And as always, bear down. Bear down.